Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi there, everybody. This is Peter Hunt in The Proper Lookout. Seasonally adjusted greetings to you all as we move into December, approach Christmas, and very soon we'll put 2020 behind us and move into 2021. My topic today for this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast is common law procedure in the Maya space, that is the Motor Accident Injuries Act of 2017. Now that we've just passed the third anniversary of the Act commencing in December 2017. Common law claims are now up and running for the last 12 months or so, and I think it's a a good time to review the uh, procedure a common law claim goes through from claim form onwards. Now, those of you who practice in the MACA space from 1999 onwards will observe that there are a lot of similarities between the MACA procedure and the Maya procedure in common law claims. But there are some new concepts and some subtle differences. So let's start with some general limitations on common law claims. Just like in MACA and the Motor Accidents Act before that, there is a time limit to put in a claim form. But in Maya, that time limit is 20 months rather than six months in the previous iterations of these motor accident schemes. The reason for that is simple, namely that unlike MACA and unlike the Motor Accidents Act, MIA includes a stat benefits component. And the idea is that a claim should go through the stats benefits phase before going into common law. There is an exception or two exceptions to the 20-month time limit if the claim involves the death of a person, that is, if it's a Comptorell's claim, or where the claimant's WPI exceeds 10%, in those claims, a um, common law claim may be made at any time. And in fact, I had a um, Comptorell's claim which resolved within 12 months of the accident. Uh, the accident was in January this year, and the um, claimant's list was very quick in putting in a claim form, getting the claim exempted, providing particulars and commencing negotiations, and the matter resolved just about around a month ago in November. As with MACA, late claims may be made, provided that, in general terms, the claimant provides a full and satisfactory explanation for their delay in making the claim. A new concept, though, which is novel to the Maya scheme, is that there's a settlement preclusion period. Section 6.23 provides that a common law claim cannot be settled less than two years after the accident unless the claimant's WPI exceeds 10%. Now, I think the rationale for that is that the designers of the scheme wanted the treatment regime assumed by the step benefits phase of the claim to do its work before we get to common law claims. So the claimant's injuries stabilise and the injured person gets the health benefit of the treatment provided. The next group of sections I want to discuss deal with 
liability determinations. Section 6.20 is in very similar terms to Section 81 of MACA, and it provides that the insurer must serve a liability notice as expeditiously as possible and in any event within three months of the claim being made. Section 6.21, however, is new, and that gives a claims assessor the power to impose a penalty by increasing regulated costs by 25%, where an insurer's liability determination is found to be not reasonable based upon provable facts and a reasonably arguable view of the law. The concept of provable facts is interesting. In my view, if the insurer has evidence to support its position, even where that evidence is not accepted, then the fact was provable. That's because there was evidence to support the position if that evidence had been accepted. So in general terms, if the dispute is regarding which party went through a green light and which went through the red light, provided the insurer has evidence that the insured says he or she went through the green light into the intersection, in my view, that's a provable fact and a cost penalty should not apply. And that's even if the claims assessor ultimately believes the claimant rather than the, the insured. The fact remains that the fact asserted by the insurer was provable in the event that the assessor accepted the insured's evidence. Moving on to particulars and offers, section 6.24 provides that the claimant must cooperate fully with the insurer by providing information to satisfy the insurer that the claim is valid, to assist the insurer to assess liability, and to assist the insurer to make an informed offer of settlement. Now, this section has been around for several decades. Um, There was a similar provision, I think, Section 45 from memory in the Motor Accidents Act and Section 85 of MACA. And it's important to note this is not a provision dealing with particulars alone. The section specifically says that the claimant must cooperate in the provision of information, which is a broader concept, I think, than particulars. In my view, the concept of information includes particulars, but may extend to things like tax returns or witness statements where, for example, there's a dispute regarding liability or whether an um, injured person was employed at the time of the accident. Section 6.25 replicates Section 85A of MACA and Section 50 capital A of the Motor Accidents Act and requires the claimant to provide all relevant particulars about the claim as expeditiously as possible. And relevant particulars are defined to include details of the motor accident, the injuries sustained, disabilities and impairments arising from those injuries, and any economic loss and other losses being claimed as damages. Now, the important thing about Section 6.25 is that the claimant is obligated to provide those particulars even if they're not asked for by the insurer. The insurer should, of course, request them at an appropriate stage in the claim, but even if the insurer does not request them, they must be provided in any event. Section 6.26 is um, similar to a similar provision in, um, in MACA, which allows the insurer to demand Section 6.25 particulars within a two-month window commencing two years and six months post-accident. And if the claim fails to comply with the notice by providing relevant particulars within three months, the claim is deemed to be withdrawn, 
Now, there is a reinstatement mechanism in the provision. That's in subsections 4 to 7 of section 6.26. Something to look out for is the fact that given that most common law claims under Maya are made some 20 months to 24 months post-accident, we're already getting close to the um, commencement of the two-month window where section 6.26 comes into play at the two-year and six-month mark post-accident. So insurers should be on the lookout when they get a a common law claim form as to when that section 6.26 notice can be served in order to move the claim along through the provision of particulars. Now, section 6.22 is interesting. It's a section to do with the insurer's duty to make an offer. And unlike section 82 of MACA, it doesn't pin the obligation to a specific point in the process. It simply says that the insurer must make a reasonable offer of settlement, in quotes, as soon as practicable, end quotes, unless the insurer wholly denies liability. The duty does not arise where the claim is a Comptrell's claim or where DRS has declined to assess the claim as WPI because their impairment has not yet become permanent. I think section 6.22 subsection 5 implies that it's not practicable for an insurer to make an offer until the claim fully complies with section 6.25 by providing relevant particulars, but that's not clear entirely from the text. I think the insurer can also argue that it's not practicable to make an offer until their investigations are completed, which implies both the receipt of particulars and obtaining medical legal reports when required and other investigations into employment, for example. Um, That's just my view, and um, time will tell whether that view prevails. As with the MACA scheme, there are sections in Maya dealing with exemption from DRS assessment of damages, section 7.34 and regulation 14 of the regs deals with mandatory exemptions and they're defined to include where the claimant is under a legal incapacity. That's either in a um, direct claim, the injured person, or in a contrarels claim if one of the dependents is underage or otherwise lacks capacity, then a mandatory exemption is available. That's one ground for mandatory exemption. The next one is where the claim is against a person who's not an insurer. The following two are very important. Mandatory exemption is available where the insurer has alleged fraud in writing or where the insurer has denied indemnity to the insured in writing. Importantly, unlike prior schemes, a denial of liability or fault is no longer a ground for mandatory exemption. That's because DRS assessors are specifically now given the power to assess liability. There's also a mechanism for a claim to be exempted on discretionary grounds. The guidelines for what might give rise to a discretionary exemption is found in paragraph 7.451 of the MAGS. The um, system of exemptions reminds us that on any issue, you need to look at the Act, the regulations, and the Maraxan guidelines in order to make sure you've covered all bases because the grounds for mandatory exemption are found in the regulations and the grounds for discretionary exemption are found in the Maraxan guidelines. 
Okay, so finally moving on to the time limits for a DRS application for the assessment of damages. Firstly, for the first time, and in very clear distinction from the system under MACA, there is now a time limit to lodge a DRS application to have damages assessed. Section 7.33 provides that the parties have three years from the date of the accident to lodge a DRS application. If the application is late, the party making the application must provide a full and satisfactory explanation for the delay. The preconditions are interesting as well. Those who practiced under MACA will remember the parties could not go to CARS until we'd gone through a process of 85A particulars, a Section A2 offer, a Section A9A conference, and then Section A9C offers. None of that now applies. And the only precondition is found in Section 7.32, subsection 3, which provides that the parties cannot proceed to DRS for the assessment of damages until they've used their, quote, best endeavours, end quote, to resolve the claim. What best endeavours means, I guess only time will tell. In my view, there's an argument that neither party can use their best endeavours that's, you know, a fair income attempt at resolution until both parties are ready to negotiate. Again, that's just my view and time will tell whether that prevails. Finally, when it comes to DRS assessments of damages, similar to MACA, neither party is bound by the assessment of liability, but the insurer is bound by the assessment of damages if the insurer has accepted liability and the claimant accepts the assessment of damages within 21 days. When it comes to court proceedings, just like in MACA, nothing can go to court unless it's gone through a DRS either for assessment or for exemption. There's a three-year time limit to commence court proceedings as there was under MACA and under the MAA. However, time stops from the date the matter is referred to DRS for assessment until a date two months after the assessment certificate is issued. And similar to MACA, Section 6.33 gives the insurer the power to survey notice requiring the claimant to commence proceedings in circumstances where the claimant has been entitled to commence proceedings for at least six months. If the claimant fails to comply with the Section 6.33 notice within three months, then the claim is deemed to be withdrawn. But again, there are mechanisms within the section for reinstatement. So there we have it. That's my review of the Maya common law procedure, doing where I could a comparison between what applies in Maya as against what used to apply in MACA, and even the old Motor Accidents Act got a mention from here and there. As I said, we're now heading towards Christmas and the new year. Uh, this may well be my last podcast episode for 2020. I'd like to thank once again both loyal subscribers to this podcast series and occasional listeners for their support. This podcast has now been going for some two and a half years. And if it wasn't for your support, which has been tremendous, uh, we would have ceased a long time ago. And seriously, it's something which I and the team at McCabe Kerwood are very proud of. Speaking of pride, I want to finish uh, this episode by publicly thanking every member of the statutory insurance team at McCabe Kerwood for their resilience and their enterprise in the last 12 months, 
as everybody knows, 2020 has been a very challenging year for everybody on the planet, really, when it comes to the pandemic and certainly in Australia before that, the bushfires and the drought. But I could not be more proud of the way the team has simply got on with it despite the challenges presented to them. As I always sign off, it's dangerous out there, particularly in this year of 2020. So whatever you do out and about, please keep a proper lookout. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Curwood's full team of specialists.